Hello and welcome back to another episode of the CrossFit Harrow podcast. We are episode 77 and today we have Rebecca in. Rebecca, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. First question that goes out to everybody, why CrossFit Harrow? So I suppose there are two reasons really. Um, first one, I was looking for something that was going to help me get fitter and stronger in quite a limited amount of time to be able to take my black belt grading for Taekwondo okay. I've got coming up. Um, and this was, I'd seen some videos, I knew some people who'd done CrossFit elsewhere, so I had a good idea of the sorts of things that I'd be doing and I knew that it would be helpful, um, as well as having coaches and classes and all of those kinds of things that help with motivation. Um, so that was the first thing that came across my mind, um, but was also really looking for something to get back into a proper level of fitness, okay. um, to get back to where I was before I injured my shoulder, which was what, four or five years ago, something like that. So that's sort of a longer term. Okay. Thing. Talk us a little bit more through your shoulder. What, what, um, what happened or what's gone on with your shoulder? So I was, um, I was doing a lot of uh, boot camp sessions. So I was doing British military fitness, so running out around the park, doing all the kind In the of great British weather. Brilliant British weather. The best sessions I had must have been in the snow. We did one uh, frosty, sunny December morning because you've only got the hardcore there. You've got the people yeah, yeah, who yeah. really want to be there. Yeah. Um, so you, if you wake up and half think I'm not going, then you're, you're, you eliminate yourself out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I was doing that, I'd been doing that for a few years, um, just had a particular session that was all upper body work, right. lugging, power bags around the park, press ups, dips, all of these kinds of things that I'm just not brilliant at anyway. Fatigued, I imagine, form went, and actually the, the ligament in uh, the front of my shoulder, so it was tent in my chest, um, just went pop. Oh. Um, which was quite painful over a period of time. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, I ended up, uh, we say, walk around like a little T-Rex because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't extend my arm, I couldn't open doors, I could barely hold a cup of coffee. It was quite debilitating. But it also took them six months plus to work out what had actually happened to get me through for an MRI and all of those kinds of things, by which point all the muscles had wasted all down my back, all in my shoulder. Um, so it was... So you were restricted for six months before you knew anything, really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, couldn't train, wasn't doing, you know, I was trying to do bits and pieces. Um, and kind of Taekwondo is a thing I've been doing for years, so I tried to carry on doing that, but it was really frustrating just not being able to do it properly. Okay, Max, talk, talk, talk us through about ta Taekwondo because I, I mean, I don't know too much about it personally. Um, it, it, I'm assuming it is a mixed martial art as such, but um, I think we kind of know mixed martial arts more as like UFC kind of stuff. So it's not a mixed martial art, it's, it's just not. a straight right. martial art. Um, it's founded in Korea, um, okay. so it's a Korean martial art, and those who are in the Korean army in both the North and South, when they do their national service... Still do, now? Still now, they learn Taekwondo, um, and they have demo teams and all of that kind of thing. Um, it's not that old, even though it's been steeped in a great amount of history. It only came to being in 1955. Um, and yeah, it's... A lot of it is founded in some moves from karate, so if you look at them, they're relatively similar, but there's a lot more kicking in Taekwondo. In Taekwondo. Yes, that's okay. what it's really known for. And karate is more like self-defense, is that right? Martial arts in themselves aren't straight self-defense. There'll okay. be aspects that you take from it, but it's often tidied up so much in the martial arts sense, because it's very technical, very specific. 
okay. you wouldn't see like a straight transfer across to self-defense fine but things you learn like how to punch how to block where to punch for example if you ever got yourself into a situation where you needed the self-defense they're the sorts of skills that will help you out rather than the straight techniques that we do so where for you did this love for taekwondo start or how did it start uh, i a friend of mine had done a taster session way back in school so i've been training for nearly 20 years so it took him quite a, a long while um so my friend had done some taster sessions that were run by a local instructor okay she mentioned it to me on the walk home and she was going to go from school from school um and she, she mentioned she was going along to the proper classes i went oh can i go with you hmm. and nearly 20 years later you, you, you still kept up yeah, with that wow um, it's I really what age were you 15 okay so that kind of at that point in your life as well I would imagine that it gave you quite a lot of confidence yeah it, um, so to improve my fitness and all of those kinds of things I was I was not a sporty kid in school well, these are some of the... Yeah, I'm glad you got there. I was going to ask you this. No, I was definitely not a sporty kid in school. Okay. Um, always gave it a good go, but I was never in the in crowd, and the in crowd were the sporty ones. But I, th I, was, I think I've said in a couple of podcasts before, I think naturally through school, you go through the choice of, like, football or netball, or, like, football, basketball. And, like, generally, if you're not good as a bloke, if you're not good at that sport, you kind of get put to the side. And as a female, if you're not good at that sport, you yeah. kind of just... We had netball, hockey, and tennis were the key ones. Oh, well, tennis isn't popular as, pop, like, you don't hear tennis much. No, I've never been very good at racket sports, just not <laughs> It's the hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Uh, netball, I find quite boring. When we got an opportunity to try basketball later on, that was much better. There's people who play netball, listen to this, go, what? Netball? Not for me, it's just Yeah, not yeah, for it's me. not for everyone, yeah. Uh, hockey, I really enjoyed. Yeah? Turns out probably because it's a little bit violent. <laughs> Um, well, that, I mean, that would make sense. Yeah, but no, I really enjoyed hockey. Um, again, I wasn't the best at it. I just gave it a good go. Um, but I think finding Taekwondo when I did, I was just a little bit older and it was a decision that I made for myself as well. Yeah. It wasn't a class that my parents put me into or anything like that. It was something that I chose yeah, to go yeah. along to and just have kept on going. And it's very interesting at the stage that, like, that you chose it because generally, like, being 15, you don't, not really aware of, like, the fitness element of things. Yeah. It's more of a case of, like, you're having massive amounts of fun during that session. You're ticking boxes in, like, terms of, like, self-development, like, being able to start socialising more with people, um, being in, 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 in the company of other people of different cultures, backgrounds, everything else, and also boosting that self-confidence element of stuff. And that socialising side of it has been really important. Yeah. Because I've carried on doing Taekwondo all the way, so finishing school, went to university, uh, lived with my parents or my dad for a little while, so I trained there, then went off uh, or came up to London. And I've been in different clubs and without knowing, like I moved to London on my own, I didn't have any friends here or anything when I moved. Where, where from? Where did you move from? North Dorset. Okay. Um, which is where I grew up. Um, but it was an instant group of people who, twice a week, every week, you're doing something, you've got something in common, yeah. and it, you just get to know people and, yeah. and talk to people. Similar to, to what you do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. You, know, you see the same people, you, you get to have a bit of a chat about what's going on, yeah. um, but also you're focusing on something different. And like I say, different people from different walks of life, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's really important, really interesting. So you left North Dorset 
yep. to come to London. So you've done all school through North Dorset? Yeah, then went up to university in Aberystwyth, so deepest, darkest mid Wales. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think that sounds like Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on the coast, so I had a seafront facing room for two years, which is absolutely Traditional glorious. British weather. Well, yeah, because you spend most of your time <laughs> at university in uh, the winter. What, what, um, what did you study at, at uni? Maths. Okay. So it's a straight maths degree, so a straight split between pure applied and statistics. Which, when I asked you, that, what I was going to say about statistics, but when I asked you at the beginning about a bit of background with Taekwondo, you was able to roll off statistics just like that. The year it was founded, etc. Uh, we, as part of our oh, you ha- grading, oh, right. we have to know the theory, and some of that is about the history of when it was inaugurated, when it came to the UK, but also all the terminology in Korean as well. So, coming up to grading, they're the kinds of things that I really should be. Able You've to given me a lot. fantastic idea to implement here. <laughs> the we theory. Sh- learning like why, when, and how. That's actually I can see the value in that. I understand yeah. and, why. And testing it. Uh, well, the idea of knowing the Korean is that you could walk into any club, any dojang, as it's called. Dejan. Dojang. Dojang, okay. Anywhere around the world, and they'll tell you Dolio Chaggy, which is turn and kick, and you'll know exactly what to do. Um, so it's that principle. Wow. Uh, have you ever been out to Korea? I went to Seoul a couple of years ago, um, so a limited bit of Korea. And did you do um, some Taekwondo out there? I didn't do any, but we did find um, where the national demonstration team were giving oh, right. a demo out in one of the tourist locations. So I went to have a look at that. That must have been pretty cool. It was. It was um, It was weird in the sense that, so when they start off there, they start in a military salute and things okay. like that, because it's done for the military, which is quite different from, from what we do with bowing and all of those kinds of things. But yeah, fundamentally, it's, it's all the same. Um, and then, so at uni doing maths, yeah. what was sport like for you at uni? I... Were you part of the teams? I ran the Taekwondo club while I was there. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I'm a qualified instructor. Um, we had an instructor there for the first year, but he was unfortunately unable to continue after my first year. Um, so we took it over as a student-run club. And then, you, so you, at that point, decided, did you do your qual- like qualifications for that at that point? So yeah. Or um, slightly afterwards, but yeah, I was, I was doing the, the qualification. Then we, we had to get special permission from the association to open back up again and all of those oh, wow. kinds of things. But yeah, it's, uh, it was a great experience getting to know people. What, was it popular? I like to think so, seeing as I was running. Well, no, because I, I would imagine like a lot of weightlifting, uh, a lot of weightlifting, sorry, a lot of uni clubs would incorporate weightlifting, maybe running, um, Netball, I don't know actually if you need to do netballs, but definitely football, rugby, like predominantly those sports. Um, it was, I mean, we had good numbers coming. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I always, it's something it's, different for people, isn't it? That's, yeah, it's something different. Um, again, loads of different people. Like, whilst we do things with partners, for example, you do those techniques with anybody of any size. Um, you know, you do your sparring training with anybody of any size. But there's also an amount of stuff that is just you doing things solo, mm-hmm. going back and forth in lines and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're not, if you're not that into team sports, it's a good place to go to get to know a group of people, but you're not dependent on other people or they're not dependent on you. It's a bit like here, you're only competing yeah. and improving yourself. Yeah. And I would imagine, obviously, there is a competitive element to Taekwondo yeah. too. But at the same time, there isn't. Like, you yeah. can completely, not necessarily eliminate it, but you can not be so... 
thrown into that yeah. side? There are competitions, but it's entirely a choice as to whether you go and yeah. compete. There's no... Because um, that's not the kind of ethos, right? It's no, it. and there's no obligation to. Out of all the people who are doing Taekwondo in the country, very few of them will go and compete. Um, mm. I myself, I'll compete for the patterns, which is equivalent to the kata or um, forms that you get in Fine. karate. Okay. Um, and they're marked more like uh, gymnastics or you know those kinds of things. Okay. Um, but I don't like sparring in competition. Um, it's just not for me. It's not yeah, why yeah. I do it. Yeah. Um, so having done that at uni, did you see that like grow like over the three years? Did you see it like get bigger and bigger. The club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I can't remember how many people we had, but there was a good core of people who were turning up. Good. Um, and we'd go out on socials and all of those, you know, university experiences. Yeah, yeah. Well, living the whole uni life, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and we, yeah, we had some really, really good sessions and really great fun all together. And I still get messages, certainly when uh, those who continued training sort of got their first black belts and all of those kinds of things, we'd get, you know, thank you messages and all of that kind of thing, which is very rewarding. I, I, I could imagine that'd be quite rewarding. What, what does that, that, that black belt, in, not necessarily entirely, what does it show? What does it represent? What's the easy way to, I mean, I've got an, a small understanding of what it might mean. Um, I mean, it, it represents an element of dedication and commitment. Okay. Um, particularly as there are minimum training times. So with the association that I belong to, um, you have to be training for a minimum of three and a half years before you get your first black belt. Okay. And is it just one, is it just black belt? Just... So that's the, your first stand. Okay. And then you go on from there to get your second, third, and so on. Okay. And there you've got a minimum of... So the number, the Dan grade that you're going for, that's the minimum number of years you need to train for between gradings. So between first and second Dan is two years, between second and third is three years, and so on. So I'm going for my fourth Dan in a few weeks' time. Um, so that so you've done four years. Minimum. It's been seven for me because of the injury. Right. So it's been a while. I guess that's quite a good way to do that grading system because essentially in those years, what you're doing is repetition over repetition of lo like, you're not, I wouldn't say developing new skills, that's not the right way to put it, but you're becoming more body aware yes. doing that. And that, that, that's actually one thing that we've spoke about quite regularly here yeah. is how can we make people more body aware. And doing this, like even within three, four weeks, massively more aware of, everything yeah from where i had been coming out of lockdown and not having done a lot of training just that instant sharpness yeah was yeah really there yeah the idea as well is with that amount of time between gradings you go back and improve everything that you've already learned yeah and so becoming more and more competent yeah. yeah yeah that's actually a very good way to to to, to look at that grading actually to you're, you're never gonna you're, the only way that you'd move backwards is if you stop doing it so doing this not necessarily the same thing every day but but your, as we said, repetition, repeating yeah. those things in order to like they just get installed within yeah. your within your brain. And then it's those minor adjustments to yeah. take it from being good to being really great. Good yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe yeah. beyond. So, how many of those great? Like, how many of those are there? So there are nine degrees of black belt in total. Right. Um, only our senior members of the council at the moment are ninth degree black belt. Um, Does that just basically mean that you kick ass? Yeah, I really wouldn't want to argue with any of them. <laughs> is it stuff like you see in the movies? Is it like literally like... Some of the videos of them in their slightly younger days um, yeah. are phenomenal. 
and even now, I just they're, they're all really lovely and really friendly, but you would not want to get on the wrong side. Stunt doubles and things like that? Um, Possibly. No, they, they could be, I'm sure, but it's not. They're, they're taekwondo through and through. Um, it's their life and livelihood and have made the association into what it is today. Yeah. Um, so nine grading systems. What does it mean, like, when you're at the top, you, you are essentially a role model for those below, below? Yeah, and when you get to, after fifth down, um, although you've got your minimum grading times, you are also awarded uh, the next degree on merit. So you okay. don't do a grading or an exam anymore. You have to show that you are giving back to the association and giving back to the community. So things like running clubs, running competitions, seminars, all of those oh, wow. kinds of things as well. The people who are getting to six down and onwards are really they're they're the ones doing that, running you know three or four schools or you know all of those kinds of That's things. That's pretty as well. cool. Yeah. So it almost like it's like grown like from the bottom up, really, yeah. isn't it? Um, and then do you find that? Do you, in your experience, in the, the, you know, the last 20 years you've been doing it, do you find like people drop in and drop out of it? As in like they'll go through stages of it? Or do you think, do you find that they, unless injury obviously, but do you find that they just, once they're in, they stay with it and it's something that they're looking to bring forward with them? Once you get to a certain point, probably second or third down, then you're in it for the long haul. Right. You've been training then for 10 plus years, something like that. Okay. Um, you're not going to go through that amount of time and absolutely love it the entire time there's peaks and troughs with you know habits that just you know weeks when things aren't quite working properly and you hate it mm. what would training look like would that be like four or five times a week if not more no so minimum training guidance is twice a week oh right okay um, some of it depends on uh, instructors and availability of clubs yeah um, my instructor for example runs or before covid was running classes six nights a week so if you wanted to train six nights a week wow. you could um for me two to three times a week is, is right for me that gives me enough to to keep me going balance without is, a, yeah it's yeah, that yeah balance exactly yeah and then where at what point is, does like someone get into the teaching element of it you can start teaching um you can start doing your teaching qualifications from first degree black belt um some instructors will ask their senior color belt so red okay. belt black uh, yeah red belt and black tag to help out as well um and yeah, you can you can do it whenever after that. Um, but like any teacher, I always think it's something that you have to really want to do. Yeah, of course. Because you need to be inspiring. Well, then it, it doesn't thing. become your hobby then. Yeah, your exactly. hobby then changes a little bit more into like yeah. a career re like element really, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so do you find that uh, with the grading and the different color belts, do you find that, that some of it, or there are, it can be a status thing? Is there an ego attached to that? Is that dismissed? Is that just put to one side from day dot? The hierarchy is about the colour of your belt. Okay. It doesn't matter how old you are, what gender you are, anything like that. It's all about the colour of your belt. So, um, some you know, a twelve-year-old who's got a first down will stand in you know higher up in the lines than a fifty-year-old who's come in at yellow belt, and that's that's how it's that's how it is. Um, ego doesn't really come into it again because you're really competing with yourself and improving yeah. yourself. It's it's about about you. Um, we find those that have that ego are more likely to probably drop by the wayside, and it's you know maybe not for them. Okay, your your come upcoming grading for the fourth dan. Yeah. What does that 
involved now? What have you got to do? Um, so there are a few stages to go through before okay. the actual grading. Um, the next one is I've got a pre-grading assessment, right. which is next week. Okay. Um, How are you feeling about it? All right at the moment. <laughs> the maybe this time next week, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's effectively a mock grading right, okay. in front of one of the examiners. So would you get feedback then to be like, this is what you've done really, really yeah. well, this is what you didn't do so well? Yeah, I mean, to a large extent now with four or five weeks to go, any major issues, you get pulled out of the grading because there's not enough time to resolve them oh, right. between now and then. So it's know. pretty like, clinic, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got that one. Um, a couple of extra training sessions that I need to go to. Mm -hmm. And then the grading itself is towards the end of October. How long is that grading? Um, it'll probably be about 20 minutes, something like that. So okay. we go through all the different um, disciplines that we have within uh, the martial arts. So you've got line work, which is doing your um, techniques, uh, moving up and down in lines, um, the patterns. Hence the name. You still have to explain it, though. No, no, of like, course. Oh, yeah, I, well, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I didn't know. But it makes sense once you've explained it, right? Yeah, of course. Um, so the patterns, that's one of the biggest parts of the grading because you, you do the, so there are three that I need to know for my grade, but you also go through at least one from all the other black belt grades and okay. all of that kind of thing. Um, we have set sparring, which is more like self-defense drills, um, still very formulated. So you know exactly what techniques coming towards you and you have a, um, set routines that you're going to be doing. Would this be like where you've, there are other people almost like fighting against you you have you're in pairs so like you've got one person who steps forward and punches and attacks you and like you role play yeah, essentially bit, yeah. yeah okay yeah um the reason i the reason i asked that question is i've seen that there's a guy that i know from a long time ago he i think he's uh he's a, a mixed mixed martial arts or something to do with like krav maga kind of stuff and he often will put some of the not the official grading videos but like mocks up and it is quite it does look very, very hard. Um, they don't necessarily work in pairs, but in one of his videos, there would be one person undergoing their assessment and there would be a group of like eight and they would do different uh, stri different striking techniques, different attacks, and that person would obviously be combating them. I was just imagining it be, to be like that. Thankfully, not quite like that. <laughs> Similar idea though, if you've got um, your attack coming towards you and you're yeah. working out how to defend it, but. Um, probably more rigid, rigid or formulated the way that we do it. Um, then we also have sparring, which is the, the more fighting side of it. Um, and as a black belt, you also have destruction, so that's board breaking. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, this yeah. is the things that a lot of us see on the internet. Yeah, yeah, those. Um, which is going to be interesting, having not done any of that through lockdown. What, what are they, just planks of wood? Uh, we have um, specific breaker boards. Because if we were just using planks of wood, that would well, be yeah, no, but as in like different. I mean, obviously there's different cuts of wood and stuff, but are they literally that similar concepts? Uh, so the uh, plastic breaker boards, um, you know, probably centimeter and a half thick. They've got a line through them, so they're pre-broken. Right. But that requires so to break a board, you need um, precision as well as um, force and those. Yeah, I was gonna say things. x amount of force. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the breaker boards, if you don't hit it on the line, doesn't matter how hard you hit it, it's not going to break. Whereas a plank of wood, you can hit it anywhere, and it will usually break. Do, do you guys do like these things of like you'll put like two or three? No. no. So the demo team that I saw in Korea 
had those because it looked impressive, right? They go yeah, yeah, flying yeah. off everywhere. Someone would have had like nine of them and they'll just go. Yeah, but they're like wafer thin. And I did watch the demo crew pre-scoring load of the boards so it's, the techniques are impressive but when you see them breaking boards like that it's not I feel like I've been told like sold a dream for the last like <laughs> 31 years of my life yeah but when they're doing jumping 720 kicks or you know whatever else it is that they're doing I'm like yeah pre, uh, pre-score all the boards you like they're the I would imagine they're like the ones that are a little bit higher and you're having to like stand pivot on one foot and kick 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 yeah right yeah that's pretty impressive oh yeah no I can't do that that is pretty cool. Before you ask me to try and demonstrate it. <laughs> you show us, actually. <laughs> uh, no. um, so you've got that. That will last around the 20-minute mark. And then that will mean then that you've got your fourth down. If I pass. If you pass. If I pass. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And then you have to wait five years. Minimum of five years. For your fifth down. As down-in. long as I'm training regularly and I don't injure myself again. Well, fingers crossed fingers that we, we don't. Um, and then is your goal with that to go the whole way? I don't know. It'll be... Fifth down is the, the next goal. After that, though, there's no more grading. So it will really depend on what else is going on in my life. Because like you say, it's it's that distinction between it being a hobby and then it being yeah. something more than that. Um, and I have a career. I have a job. Taekwondo is, is my hobby. Um, and whilst I've helped instruct and those kinds of things, it will be you know whether I want to take it further or not. Which is very fascinating too, because I think, especially within fitness, especially with like the lockdown element, I think a lot of people, a lot of people's hobbies were or are or slash were fitness and then decided that maybe they wanted to give it a go yeah. as make it a career or gained a bit of traction and that hobby still remained a hobby and actually weren't able to execute as well on it. It's like, because it is a different, it's a different, completely different ball game. Yeah. Just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean that you can do that with other people and instruct yeah. or coach, yeah. coach them. And the good instructors or the good coaches are those who, who know that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And it is a skill. It is, it's hard teaching yeah, yeah. and instructing. Yeah. Very rewarding. But very it, frustrating it, it, yeah. at times. Yeah, at times. Sometimes more time, more, more frustrating times yeah. than others. But Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but I guess at the end of the day, I think it's like knowing that you are having an impact. If going into teaching is having an impact on that person yeah. or people that you're dealing with to, you know, help them get closer to what they want yeah. of the reason that they came to in the first place that's the aim um work wise yeah. career wise so you've done maths i did come out of uni with a maths degree yes. full maths degree what was your choice of career from have you always been in the same industry what let's go through that process what yeah so i am a statistician that is my job um, i'm gonna have trouble saying that along the way stato will do stato um yeah you don't want to try telling people what you do after a few drinks in the pub. <laughs> it doesn't end well um and i work for government right so i'm a civil servant um, okay. and that's pretty much what i started doing out of university barring six months or so when i was just working yeah. out what i wanted to do and, and everything did you just fall into that yeah pretty much um so uh one of my peers from uni had mentioned that they'd started applying for their, the civil service graduate scheme, the fast stream. Um, I'd never heard of it, but then looked it up and was like, yeah, why not? Let's give it a go. Um, wasn't quite successful at my first go, um, but managed to go in through a slightly different route. Um, and yeah, it's, um, that's what, like working for the public sector is, is what I've done. I don't know anything different. Um, no desire at the moment 
to know anything different either. So it's uh, so yeah, I've worked my way up through the ranks. Do you find that is your role member facing? Do you see, do you have to deal with people and data, or do you take that data and turn it into something? I've had a bit of both okay. throughout my career. So there's lots of different roles that you can do as a statistician in yeah. government. Um, some of them, as you say, are that data collection and producing those statistics. So anything that you see in the news around GDP or inflation, that will be government statisticians working at the Office for National Statistics. They're collecting the data and putting the data out there. Or alternative, like you say, you can use that data um, if you've got particular questions that uh, customers, they're internal customers, um, so those who are drawing up government policy or you know operations, so those working on the front line, um, to answer, you know, if they, they want well, they to need source, they need information that they need. Yeah, to... so if they you know want some information to work out what new service they're going to deliver, for example, that's the kind of thing that you'd want to gather some evidence and try and work out. So I, I would imagine that you were pretty busy over the last 18 months, um, it, more than ever. <laughs> yeah, um, so I work at International Trade at the moment, um, so obviously lots of things going on there. Um, don't have anything to do with the EU exit side of things or negotiating trade agreements, there are different teams that do that, but yeah, working on some of the, or thinking through some of the supply chain um, things that have been going on and working out how to analyse it and, and getting data fast enough to be able to analyse it as well. Mm. It's been a really interesting time. And also relying on that data being accurate, right? Like get people get, because if you ask, as an example, um, if you are the valid, validity of the, some of the tests that may be done, if you were to ask someone a question on a Monday, they might give you a separate answer or a different answer than if you ask them on the Wednesday. Yeah, so part of what we do is um, trying to articulate the quality of that information. So we can't make it more accurate, yeah. but what we can do is explain how accurate it is or what limitations there are. To which, the answers that have been provided. Yeah. and you know, a single answer is right or wrong. When you start aggregating hundreds and thousands of data points, you have something on average that is probably about right, but it's about you know how, how right is it so you're never going to quite know there's estimates and ranges. Yeah, well, I guess nothing, nothing's, nothing's ever 100%, yeah. is it? Um, but that's a lot of what I do now is more around explaining what you maybe should or shouldn't or can and can't do with bits of data right. rather than, you know, collecting it myself. Fine. And then with the balance of, like, work and training and grading and everything else, has, has that worked? Well, obviously, it's worked out pretty well. Um, ups and downs. Um when I injured myself, um, I probably went far too far into work. Oh, that was, I was actually going to ask you that next and say, yeah. did you throw yourself completely in at work? Because too much. you had so much spare time. Yeah. Your spare time would have been filled by training or socialising with those yeah. from... Yeah, and I hadn't realised just how much that exercise was bringing that balance um, and helping my mental health until I was way too far into it the other way. Yeah. Um, so again was just about finding some of that balance again and then lockdown hit um, and obviously working from home you, you know you've not got the commute or anything even more time was your role before at home or no so we could work at home so i was working at home one or two days a week but we were office based um so yeah the transition then uh to fully working at home and looking after the team and making sure they were working and everyone was all right was a, a big challenge 
yeah that whole working like a lot of people got very or they still are very comfortable with that working from home and i i understand why it's it is the commute that saves people yeah it's one of those where everybody begrudges the commute but it really does give that yeah, distinction yeah. and that indication that actually no we're not working anymore we're at home but it was so frowned upon so like years ago that like, working from home well oh, can't happen yeah and now it's like yeah stay at home for a little bit more till maybe november time um with uh when the injury did happen uh and you said that you know you were finding yourself getting back into a bit more and then lockdown hit yeah. how did you cope uh with the that process of like n- losing that a little bit like losing that traction uh, if i'm honest i didn't really cope it was horrible um because i literally the week before lockdown i'd just gone right i'm going back to training i'm going to be there twice a week i'm on this i'm feeling good this is the first lockdown first lockdown and then it was that was it um my instructor was giving us uh training plans to do at home things like that but i live in a flat i don't have a lot of space and it just wasn't possible for me to do it um so my coping mechanism for want of a better word was just bury my head in the sand ignore it all eat a lot and then just wait it out um, not the healthiest decision, um, but that's kind of just what I needed to do at that point. I wasn't trying to do the online plans at home was just making it worse. So I just got to a point, you know, for my own self-preservation, let's just give it a break. But actually having that break when we then got to go back was really helpful mm. because it reset all of that angst from not being able to train properly for yeah, so you t- long. You took those words out of my mouth, yeah. Then go back to it, actually everything was a lot better then. I actually think that, although I don't agree with a lot of the stuff, and I won't get into it because, <laughs> you know, a lot of people know my feelings. Um, but it actually it forced a lot of people to slow down yeah. and, like, have a bit of a reassessment and stop and be like, right, what do you want from the next six months and maybe not for the maybe not the first month of lockdown because i don't think people realized that it was going to last no. as long as it did originally mr johnson told us it was going to be two weeks for strain off the nhs and then it became a month and then it became six weeks and it became another two months and, and that was really hard yeah yeah really really hard. because it was giving people a lot of hope yeah. that we were coming out and um i think it got to a point where people maybe accepted um, because they didn't, I, I certainly didn't. I I, uh, I still remember where, like it was happening. I was like, I was like, well, fucking, it'll be, we'll be out of this in a couple of weeks. What the fuck's this shit? But that's why it's, it was just such. Everybody's been saying it, but it's so unprecedented. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. the first of its kind, like yeah. for a lot of us. Um, but yeah, it gave people a time that that time to to reset and reevaluate and stuff. Um, and then coming out of it, sorry, you were saying that you were start. It, it helped you. It came at the right time. Yeah, so um, when my instructor started classes up again, um, different system, like no contact, no contact, all socially distanced, sanitised on the way in and out and all of those kinds of things. And we've still got a lot of that in place now. Um, It was just really good to get back to it and start feeling a little bit more like me again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you find you lost, you definitely lost that, you you lost that feeling of you? um, Yeah, I mean, all through the injury and like, just so much work and all of that kind of thing it just kind of lost myself um sometimes i still don't know well but yeah but it is a normal process of it like it is it's it's a normal psychological process of an injury like to find that like what's happened why am i doing this what the <laughs> fuck like that's completely normal 
Well, that's good to know. No one, <laughs> no one told me that at the time. There's a massive psychological <laughs> element of, yeah. of injury. Uh, and then it comes the acceptance and yeah. then like starting the process of like um, improvement and everything else yeah. and rehab and stuff. Um, so those those sessions that you were getting back to were just slowly finding your feet into yeah. into it. Yeah, I you know I'd lost a lot of fitness, put on quite a bit of weight. You know things weren't. I didn't really feel like my arms and legs were attached to my body for a good few weeks. <laughs> it was kind of flailing around. Um, but yeah, it was really good to get back into it and be able to do it regularly as well. Yeah. Um, because we were booking into sessions and all of these kinds of things. You know, everybody says book your sessions into your diary so it's an appointment that you don't miss. Um, and yeah, it really worked. Um, just kept persevering. Yeah, yeah. And the fitness started coming back. Yeah. And then you found us just after uh, it was, the, it was right April, May time, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. So it was pretty much as things opened up again. And that was, it was the point where I'd missed the opportunity to grade in April. So the, the gradings run every six months. Right. And that's set that you don't have. We you, don't have control over that because they're national grading. So it's everybody in the country will go, who's ready to grade, will go and do that grading. Right, fine. Um, but although I kind of knew all the stuff for April, there was no, it might have been at the end of April, it might have been, I think it was postponed until June in the end, but no guarantees of when it would be. And I was just not mentally or physically uh, fit enough. And they weren't doing any grading online. It's not something no, that could have been done online. Not for a black belt grading. Um, it's too much of a prestigious occasion really to do that online. And I'd feel I'd feel cheated. Yeah, I was about yeah, to say I probably mean, cheated, yeah. Yeah, so I'd much rather have waited and, and do it this way. Um, but yeah, it was then I started looking for something because I was like, I'm not fit enough to do this right now. And just doing a couple of days a week at Type 1 because that's all we're allowed to do at the moment, um, wasn't going to be enough either. And I've fallen out of love with running because it turns out I only did that because I was already quite fit. <laughs> so when you stopped? Yeah, and then I was like, no, I'm no. not anymore. I keep saying it, running's hard. Running is really hard. Mentally, I think it's hard. Yeah. Physically, I think everyone's capable of doing it. Um, yeah. I think mentally, you have to, in order to go out for a long run. But I was doing uh, training for half marathons uh, before I injured my shoulder. Like wow, the week so you had accumulated I, quite a lot of miles. Yeah, the, the week that I injured my shoulder, I'd just been out for like a casual 10 mile run. I was feeling really good about myself. Um, but I started doing the running after I'd already been doing Taekwondo, I was doing the boot camp yeah, 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 and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So yeah. you sort of fitness is up here. Where my fitness is down here somewhere, it's like no. Yeah, once you, uh, once you get uh, a curveball, like something falls in, it's, it's very, it, to, to, like, but the thing is, when, you, when you're in full flow, it, everything's good. When you have to take a step back through an injury, through work commitments, you might find that like you have less time or people put on weight, etc. The hardest thing is the comparison. Yes. Or, or sorry, of not to compare. Yeah. Um, because in your head, whatever task you've got in front of you, you'll always have a comparison yeah. of I could or I have done. And that's where I've really struggled with running, even like trying to get back into it. And I've sort of done a bit, got back up to mm. sort of 5K, got back up to 10K, and then something's happened, yeah. sprained an ankle or whatever, and then it's like, oh, I've got to go back again. So, yeah. Oh, and actually then when you get that end result of whatever that time might have been, whatever it, you actually sometimes can feel deflated because yeah. it wasn't as good as what it used to. Yeah. Or what you're used to. But in your head, you take no consideration of to, 
of like the, the last six months, what's yeah. happened or the last year, whatever it yeah. might be, um, your current situation, your current weight, because obviously your weight is also going to affect yeah. your, your running. Um, n- no look at like your habits, what you've been eating, your yeah. sleep. You just think I used to be able yeah. to. And even the fact of like getting older, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> not, <laughs> not you directly, I'm saying in general. <laughs> Um, you don't. We, we, that's. I, d- I don't know why we think like that. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's installed in all of us. Um, but we do. We naturally yeah. compare um, against our best. Yeah, and you're exactly right. That's that's one of the things. Like physically, I know I can get myself back up to, to doing those just runs those small and steps. But mentally, it's just it's too much. Yeah. Um. Actually, one of the reasons I've really enjoyed coming here is it's completely different from anything I've ever done before. Even oh, like walking into the first class with Grant and he's like, here's this barbell. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but it's all new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there is no comparison aside from last week or a month ago and, and those kinds of things. Mm. So I'm seeing those gains and it's all it's all new and progression and it's good. It's the very exciting time of, yes. of training in CrossFit. It's, <laughs> it is when you don't have those comparisons because you are, there's no, there's no element of fear to some degree. Um, well yeah something um, and it is just a case of like you've never done it I don't know what the potential I don't know what I'm just yeah. going to go for it yeah. and that's kind of I, th- I feel like people um, sometimes lose touch with that too like going and going to whatever it might be whether it be CrossFit running, swimming what Taekwondo that you just you know originally you were there because you enjoyed it yeah. and it's just keeping that in touch with that, that side of things but then I also like at some point hopefully I'll get to where you're making those marginal yeah things. yeah and you've that's what it is marginal really little tiny things that you need to yeah. tweak in your technique or the way that you're doing something again to take something from being good to being very good and, yeah, yeah. and beyond I really like that bit and that attention to detail yeah yeah which you know you don't see it necessarily in a, a PR or whatever every and sometimes week, takes but, ages but you get there exactly yeah. And I think the best example to use for that is, let's look at Olympic weightlifting. Some of them will train for four years to add half to 1.25 kilo in total yeah. to a lift. Like four years of conditioning, strength training, sleep, a consistent routine yeah. for that 1.25 kilo. Very marginal gain. Um, sorry, I've went off. But it off. all counts. Yeah, but of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Uh, it does. Um, the uh, what's that film um, where he talks about inches? Are we getting some background noise? Um, not noise. They're just jiggling around. Um, are we uh, the the film? Um, he talks about uh, inches. Vince is it Vince? No, not Vince Lombardi. There's uh, uh, another day. The, I can't remember his name. Someone's screaming probably at the camera. To, um, it's an NFL rugby team. NFL rugby team that's not even a thing uh, it's American football and they're talking about he says the inches I can't remember the speech it's a fantastic film you'll have to go and look it up afterwards I will I was hoping one in. of the guys behind the cameras <laughs> no, will be telling me <laughs> um, okay so what does what's what, what's the next six months look like what do you want now out of the next six months whether it be we're obviously hoping for your grading, your fourth yeah. grading, fourth down. Um, but what else from fitness are you looking for for the next six months? Or even 12? Daft as it might sound, what I would really like to be able to do is at least 10 push-ups on my feet without thinking about it. Okay. And that is partially because I've never been able to do it, but also that's how I injured myself. So there's a real mental block yeah. with just being able to get on and do it. 
And that for me, whether it's in the next six months or the next 12 months, you know, I think it's, it's going to take a while. I think that's a but fantastic goal. That is really, it's something I would really like to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all of the work that we do here, like the regression, so the incline push-ups, which I still really struggle with, it's all working towards that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that would be my next goal. Um, but yeah, just to keep enjoying it and to carry on losing the weight and get stronger and fitter and, and see all the gains everywhere else. That's good. From the physical side, the mental side, the social side. I've remembered I've got personality outside of work. It's brilliant. Um, well, wow, that's, that's, that's funny that you say that because we've been so consumed within work yeah. that you've, you know, you, yeah. you've, you almost forget like how to go out and like... Socialise. Socialise. Yeah, what's that? What's that? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, Imagine going dating. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the people would find that very, very hard to yeah. be able to... But I live, I live on my own as well, so it's been me and me. And, like a and, and yeah, yeah. And me. And then me, myself cat. and I, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so having a conversation with a real life person, just, just walking in here and seeing other people was just new. Yeah, for a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could... I, I was fortunate in the sense that like I was able, because of we staying in line with the guidelines, everything else, we were able to still have contact or, you know, see yeah. people on a one-to-one or on a small group. So I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I maybe didn't experience some of the um, closure as others. But everybody's story is different. And, yeah. you know, as I had a lot of, uh, say, my team at work that always, you know, because uh, we all struggled. Yeah, yeah, all absolutely. And they'd be like, oh, this is bad or I've had a bad day. But it's not as bad as you, like, Everybody's got their own yeah. story and their own struggles. And everyone dealt with it in very different ways. Yeah. Um, but I, I can only imagine how difficult it would have been for someone at home um, just with that screen and like, yeah. and, that, and that was it and, and that low interaction. Um, what, what does, let's say, life look like for the next six to 12 months? What, what are you, outside of fitness, is there any goals, aspirations that you want from, is it going back maybe some sort of traveling, um, seeing the world in some respects? I'd like to travel. Um, I'm not very good at traveling on my own though. Okay. Um, and I am on my own at the moment, so I don't necessarily have a traveling buddy. Um, so I probably have to park that one for a little <laughs> while. Um, but yeah, no, I'd love to get out and see more of the world, um, particularly back to Latin America and, and see bits of that. But you know, that's probably way in the future. Um, a lot of it's gonna be about bringing that balance back. Um, I've got to a point now in my career where Kind of where I want to be for a little while. Um, okay. I've been promoted in the last year. Um, I can go further if I want to, but it's quite a big decision if I want to take the next um, step up the ladder. It's a, a very different job. Which is interesting that you say because I think a lot of people at work don't know whether they're they're just in that position, yeah. you know, and not know like where they want to be. So that's it's 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 very good to know that you're in a place at work where exactly you want to be. Yeah, um, and I'm at the level now actually where I was probably always aiming for. Um, so it's a goal that you've met and can take off. Yeah, there we go. Um, bit weird once you've met it to work out what you do next. Yeah, um, it's... but yeah. So thinking about just actually thinking about what I do want to do next. Um, you know, my job, thankfully, and I know I'm really fortunate that my job is is secure because um, I know that there are a lot of people out there where that's not the case. Um, but yeah, whether it's a move further outside of London obviously that would take me away from you guys probably so you know not sure I want to do that <laughs> um, or just just work out what I want to do um, and have the freedom yeah. to do it 
and the space to think about it. Yeah. Very interesting, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your time. Um, guys and girls, join us again next week. Don't know what happened to my voice there when I went, week. <coughs> Might have to do that intro again, outro again. James, edit this voice. Next week.